What's up, Warriors? Not Your Mama Pod here with a very special episode. B and I get to interview Coach Rita today as the second part of our movement series. We hope you enjoy. Hey, Rita, thanks for coming on our show today. Why don't we start by you introducing yourself? First of all, Kaylee and Betsy, thank you guys for having me. I'm super excited to be here. We're so excited you're here. So I am a 31-year-old, first-generation Lebanese-American endo warrior. I'm a certified personal trainer, certified functional nutrition and metabolic science specialist, a certified nutrition coach with a specialization in online fitness and nutrition coaching. I've got my bachelor's degree in biology. I used to want to work in healthcare. Once upon a time, I wanted to be a PA and I used to work in the ER as a medical scribe where I did all the charting for ER doctors. It was pretty cool. Got to basically work side by side, you know, ER docs and get to kind of learn everything about medicine and just, yeah, everything about medicine and a little more than I wanted to know. And just by going through that, you know, I know it kind of made me realize I didn't really want to work in healthcare, but We'll kind of talk a little bit more about that later, but, um, so I do have some medical background and I love working out. I love hiking. I love anything outdoors and I do not want children just simply because of the fact that endo has been a, been rough (laughs) and (laughs) I don't know, I've, there's just been a lot going on in my midsection and I just, that's it for me, man. Kid free by choice. Um, our first episode on movement I think our first disclaimer was we are not experts we know experts that is correct we We are experts did you hear all those qualifications she has more qualifications than either one of us will ever have at your (laughs) she's so smart and she went to so much more school than me she's so smart she's so pretty oh my gosh we are honored to have you with us girl on top of you having an amazing amount of knowledge um, about fitness, about endo, about things like that, you're just an absolutely amazing person. So B and I are both super honored to have you on and have you on as our first like real full guest, not a bonus episode, something we've been trying to get on here for a while. So thanks for coming. Yes. Thank you guys for having me. I'm excited to be here. So Rita, you mentioned you're an endo warrior. Do you mind telling us a little bit about your journey and what you've dealt with, what you've been through? anything you want to tell us? So I was diagnosed about 10 years ago. Um, I was like in college, I was like 20 or 21. And I just, it was really weird. Actually, I was put on birth control, like 18, didn't really have any pelvic pain. I mean, I had some heavy periods. Um, Like two years after I started birth control, I started having really bad pelvic pain. I started getting like ovarian cysts and actually had an ovarian cyst removed. And then a year later, Within like a year after that surgery, I started getting horrible pelvic pain, horrible bloating, skinny. I was like a hundred and like five pounds. So when you weigh that little and you bloat, the whole world knows and everybody thinks you're pregnant. Um, mm-hmm. And I mean, it was, it was just insane. Like every time I was on my cycle, like I was just like a balloon. Sex was so freaking painful. Like it was just a nightmare. And I was like, what is happening? Like I never, ever, ever had had any of those symptoms before two years before that. Um, and then, um, I ended up like, so like, I thought I had endo, I suspected I had it just from researching my symptoms and talking to other women that had endo. And my doctor didn't really believe me because he was like, we, we just, you know, 
you just had an ovarian cystectomy last year, did not see any endo at the time. So it's highly unlikely that you grew endo in a year. And I was like, okay, bet. Yeah. Um, but anyways, <laughs> like, how old are you then? Let me tell you. <laughs> I was 20, I think. 20? Wow. Uh, so I, yeah, I was okay. Wait. So I was like 21. I had my ovarian sister removed and I was like 21 when I had that surgery, the actual okay. diagnostic surgery. So anyway, so he ended up like having me go see a urologist and a gastroenterologist to get ruled out for IBS and interstitial mm-hmm. cystitis, which I have all of those too anyways. But he wanted me to get ruled out for those because he says endo can usually come with those too. And he wanted me to make sure it was those before he cut me back open again, which I get. He obviously was trying to not, you know, cut me open two years in a row. I mean, right. and he was also a fan. He was also a family friend, which is a little awkward, but he was, you know, grew up with his kid, played sports with his kids. So like, I don't know. I think he was kind of looking out for me, but it was also very dismissive. Um, yeah. yeah, doing the surgery after I begged him, like my mom and I were just like literally begging him, like, please do it. And I was like, I don't care if I have surgery again, like, just please do it. And he did it. And he was like, Oh my God, like you have endo. And he like apologized. He's like, I'll never doubt another person. But yeah. like during that time, it was hard because like before, like my mom got on board and my parents got on board, like, I mean, everybody around me thought I was crazy. And then like the doctor was just like, Oh, there's no way you could develop it in a year. And I'm like, you don't know that. Like, how are you going to tell me? so insane. They are. And like, I think like he probably did mean to come from a good place in the sense that, right. you know, being like a family friend, he was tr- trying to just not keep cutting me open. But at the same time, it was like, you know, you, c- you just can't be dismissive. You-, you really don't know. But I know that through my experience with me, he probably won't dismiss another girl with endo. So if my experience helps another woman, like I'm okay with it. I have worked through it. I'm okay now. But, yeah. you know, I had my first surgery with endo um, in like 2000, I don't even know what year. It's been, I think about nine years ago now, 10 years ago. And wow. then I had my last surgery about five, almost six years ago now. I'm, I'm actually a little scared to go back under the knife. So you feel it. How amazing that uh, that was probably a really impactful learning experience for him. Like, he you your experience alone probably will help him help so many other women because he won't be as quick to dismiss what you were dealing with how humble this was 10 years ago i him to have that <laughs> yeah and 10 years ago like that was imagine before like this whole yeah. we're at now before instagram and like yeah. Let's, yeah you know what i mean like this was not a thing 10 years ago like this the endo community did not exist not like this 100 percent so it's, it's crazy how much has changed in a decade, just, you know, in terms of endo and its progression and like, you know, in terms of treatment and support 100%. groups and that kind of thing. So you've mentioned that you had two separate surgeries. What type of surgeries were they? Did they, you know, burn it off, dig it out? Called it, I don't even know if the terminology was the same 10 years ago. Was it recommended to go straight to surgery or kind of how did that go? I know you had a bank to even get under the knife. So it was an ablation. I had two ablations. My first one, okay. they went in, it was just like a diagnostic lap. And then he went in yeah. and found endo, took it out where he could. It was like on my ovary and like in my um, little pouch of Douglas, like that area between mm-hmm. my uterus and my rectum. And then I think I had it on some like spots in my uterus and like my uterosacral ligament. And then my second time I actually had a dermoid cyst on my left ovary. That was kind of big. I don't know if you know what a dermoid cyst is. Yeah, um, they're nasty. But anyway, Horrible. so I almost Horrible. lost. 
yeah, I almost lost my ovary to that bad boy, but we, uh, we managed to save him. Thank God. Went in and did another ablation and just removed all the endo at all the same places. It was just a little bit more progressed than it had been the first go around. Our wow. germoid cysts, the one that like grow hair and nails and stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, mine had all that and brain cells. Did you guys talk about like different avenues for surgery or was like, this is what he did. So this is just the option here is ablation surgery. That was the only option. Yeah. I relate to that completely. My physician, um, February does not believe in anything but ablation. And it's just like, all right, get it out of me. But I think I'm going to travel to Atlanta next time and have the really expensive surgery. I you know what I'm talking about. I consulted with a doctor at the center for I what's his name? Doctor Oh Dr. my god. Yes, the one who yeah. freaking prayed to the patients before. Should we all just fangirl? I was, like, I was like, that's kind of sweet. I was like, whether or not you're a religious person, just the fact that a yeah. doctor wants to sit down and take the time to pray with you before surgery. Yes. Like I've never seen or heard anything like yeah. that in my entire life. Like that's and then like I consulted with him last year and I kind of chickened out and never ever reach back out because my insurance does not cover that surgery unfortunately but that's like a conversation for a whole another freaking day oh I totally Um, is it not crazy that everybody knows the same physician the same facility because we're all looking for that like person that actually will care for us because Because there are not very many of them yes and I talked about that in my reel that like the caption of the reel that I posted today like there's just such few like there are just not very many excision specialists the fact that people from all over the world come to freaking Atlanta which is like five hours for me you know right. to get surgery by this like super awesome old dude and I'm just like what's happening like why are the why are, do we not have Three. more excision specialists like why does my OBGYN not know what excision surgery is why did I have to educate my current OBGYN and tell her what excision surgery is actually I told my husband that the other day I said for my next surgery it will be by someone who is an excision specialist who is very yes. specialized in this because like I can't just keep losing body parts. <laughs> like, yeah, like I don't like, have very many more to lose. <laughs> just take it out or let's just burn it off. And by yes. the way, afterwards, I'm just going to put you on a ton of birth control. So maybe yeah. it doesn't grow back as fast. No, bro. Right. Don't even more. get me started on that yeah. shit. Don't even get me started. I it's all right, Rita. I threw all my birth control out. I was like, I'm done. <laughs> I'm over it. It's not um, for everybody. How do you feel today? So that was five years ago of surgery. Are you struggling with endo? Do you think it's back? How many years of relief did you get? If you got any, talk us through that side. Um, so the majority of my pain and with my endo has always been outside of my cycles. Like, so like my pain has gotten better. I mean, obviously I still have flare ups. I, I, I just went through like a gut healing journey. I don't know how much you've like followed along with my gut healing journey on Instagram. 100%. But last year I found out I had SIBO which is very common in the endo community. Um, And I have like dysbiosis um, and then I had H. pylori too. So I had a lot lot of digestive issues going on for like years that were kind of like driving my endo. So the last few years, my endo was just terrible. Like I got to the place Mm -hmm. where like, like I really had to cut out foods like gluten, dairy and sugar. Like, I mean, I like, I literally could not have any of those foods. I was just starting to react to a bunch of random things. And like, that was just driving my endo. Like I was just in a chronic state of inflammation. Then I wasn't sleeping. So that was driving my endo more. And then I was training too much and that was messing me up even more. And then all my nausea and from all the pain and inflammation was causing me to under eat, which is just driving my endo more. 
So we were really not in a good place. Um, but now just after like really making a lot of lifestyle changes and really taking the time to heal my gut, like I'm working with a registered dietitian and we're taking a very functional approach to yeah. treating my gut. So it's taken me like six months, but it's been pretty good so far. SIBO is recurrent. People who don't know, um, that's small intestine yeah. bacterial overgrowth. Is that what it is? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, like, what that, is that yeah. exactly? If you could like quickly synopsize. So you know? my understanding is basically it's just like a bunch of bacteria build up in the small intestine of your gut. So that's just going to be like the upper part of your intestine. So for me, it was like, I was like, literally I would have like three bites of my food and I would bloat so bad that I looked pregnant. And like my, my it was funny. My fiance would be like, are you full? And I'm like, yes. Like I would literally have to like stop and take breaks after a few bites because that's how full I would get. Like I would get shorter breath because like it would just, I would just be so distended in my upper abdomen. And obviously I was distended everywhere, but in your upper abdomen too, it can kind of make you feel really short of breath. Yeah. Um, so then, then there's like, there's like a couple different kinds of SIBO and, you know, some of the ones can cause you to re- like release gas when you eat, like the food that you eat, like makes the little bugs secrete gas. And that's what causes that bloating. So I have, I can't remember exactly which SIBO it was, but that's a topic for another day. I love gut stuff. So I can just ramble about that. Girl, it sucks that you have all these things on top of each other, but a lot of endo and I don't know warriors really do it compiles and we get misdiagnosed because they, they relate to each other and it's inflammation. It sucks. Period. I can, I can guarantee you most of the women with endometriosis that have IBS have more than just IBS. I guarantee you like, there's a lot of research now coming out today that's showing that like endometriosis like stems from digestion. So if, if, newer research is like showing that more and more like we really can get to a place where we can manage endo more efficiently by taking the time to work on healing the gut and you're never going to heal endo but you can kind of like reduce the symptoms of it if you will to the point where it's not debilitating you know what I mean it's not taking over your life every day and for me I have gotten to a place where like I have I had pain before like I, I had pain every single day before like mm-hmm. 95% of my life was in pain. And wow. now it's like, now it's like maybe 55, 60. So, I mean, it's a big difference. <laughs> you know what a I huge mean? improvement. It's it still is. sad that it's there, but that's such an improvement. That means you can live a life and you're not just surviving every single day. Uh, you did a really good kind of introduction into, you know, why food's important to you. I do want to get into fully your food and your workout journey. Before we make that transition though, I'm curious because you got diagnosed with endo relatively young in the endo community, right? And you had a personal relationship with your doctor, kind of a different experience. I think most of us would, but it was 10 years ago. So did hysterectomy come up at all as a, it was more like hurry up and have babies now. So you can mm. go ahead and get a hysterectomy. So being like 20, 21 years old and having a doctor like tell you to hurry up and have babies. Like I remember like looking at my boyfriend at the time telling him, I need to hurry up and get married and have kids. And now looking back, I'm like, okay, I was kind of psycho, but I mean, I was scared. I mean, you tell a 21 year old girl, she needs to have kids now, or she's never going to be able to have kids and that she needs to get her uterus taken out. If she wants to live pain-free, I'm like, I mean, that's just a lot to throw at a girl whose brain's not even fully matured yet. Like, you know what I mean? That's outrageous. I couldn't even imagine. I know on my end when they brought up like hysterectomy and I was married I was you know at that age in my life where I was like okay I, I want to have children um I still was like you're putting a time frame on me when I'm just telling you I'm in pain like why is that part of this and also 
can we talk about our early menopause and other issues I'm going to occur if you take it out? Like, you're just acting like it's going to cure me. And we all know now hysterectomy is not a cure for endo, but they were just throwing it out there like, let me just have that thing. Yeah. And then Lupron and Orlissa. I was literally, they threw that at me too. And I was like 20, 20 years old going through menopause. And I like just thought it was, the, that was my only option. That, that was I, my only option. I am very happy that that part of my journey has happened with this endo society, with Instagram, things like that, because I was educated enough to say, hey, I don't want to medicate in menopause afterwards. I don't want this because I don't think I would have survived it at that point. Can you clarify uh, hysterectomy and adeno, just as a reminder in this episode of the difference there while yes. hysterectomies do help adeno. Yes. So not a cure for endometriosis. It is for adenomyosis. My uterus was ridden with adenomyosis. So I did have it removed. At the same time, I had a whole bunch of endo removed as well. I am in perimenopause and it sucks. <laughs> and I'm not even like in like the menopause, menopause part of it. So as mm -hmm. like a fully formed, almost 34 year old, like who has a pretty stable, a very stable life, not a pretty stable life. I have a very stable life, a very stable job. I cannot imagine that at 20, 21 lost my freaking mind. Kudos not to you, Rita. Yeah. Like that's we're why I say preaching. You, that's why I always preach about it because it's like, because I didn't have that, like, I, mm -hmm. I don't want other girls to, like, really be, like, 18-year-old girls. I don't want a freaking doctor to tell an 18-year-old girl that freaking Lupron or Lissa are her best chances of managing her freaking chronic pain from a full body disease. Like, yeah, that is not Preach. acceptable. That is not acceptable. We deserve better. It feels like malpractice. Like, I'm going to throw it out there. It feels like malpractice. I know it comes from an uneducated spot, which is their bad, not ours, but it just you're doing harm. You're doing irreversible harm to women. You're taking uteruses out. You're causing them to go through a lot of health things that, you know, maybe we should understand what this disease stems from and kind of work from the inside out rather than just taking things or make these drastic changes. Like told people that before, like, I don't want to, I know it sounds really like dark, but I feel like, like I lost years of my life. Oh, I, yeah, I, I said that. I then, like the the mental like all of like the side effects of all the hormones I did all the different birth controls all the different mm -hmm. menopause this and then like the, the depo shot like your girl went through some really dark shit and it literally all a lot of it stemmed from the hormones I was on and I sit there yeah. and I'm like what this is the norm but this is not normal big freaking so, fact I want to talk about your diet um your relationship with food your personal relationship with working out because of the age you got diagnosed did that kind of lead you into your journey with health and fitness or were you already kind of passionate about that path <laughs> no I actually did not start my like I didn't start like working out until I was 27 so I'm 31 awesome. now so yes I was definitely late to the game with working out and that kind of thing I did play a little bit of sports in high school but I was otherwise was not really wasn't really good at them and I was not super athletic um but I started working out about four years ago my friend got me to go into the gym it wasn't like anything like that made me go into it yeah I just wanted to get stronger and like look cool lifting weights and stuff in the gym and then for me I like I started like working out and I started to see progress and then like all of a sudden I don't know I think it was a way for me to kind of like escape being a mm -hmm. sick person it was a way for me to not feel sick and to not feel 
like this chronically ill person who was really struggling to just, you know, feel like a normal freaking person. So I went to the gym and I just felt strong as hell. And then I just kept going. And then my relationship with fitness got a little bit out of hand because of my motive behind it. As it does. Both relate there. Um, I've always had like a pretty decent, I guess, relationship with food. A lot of my issues with food kind of just like stemmed around endo and just like me having Mm -hmm. like food reactions and then like bloating. If I was bloating and nauseous, I wouldn't eat and then I would undereat and then the undereating would just kind of keep me in this like vicious endo cycle. So other than that, like my biggest thing was my like relationship with fitness. Yeah. When you started in the gym, did it give you back some appreciation for your body Betsy and I both talked about it like all of a sudden we didn't go we went from hating our body to being like wow my body's kind of cool again I can do this like damn okay I was in my bed like last week I could not move and today I'm over here like squatting yep you know this many pounds like it's a good feeling or it was a good feeling it made me feel good good. your personal working out transition into you going into coaching and sort of stuff I ended up losing the last job that I had um, to COVID a little while mm-hmm. ago. I had like an at home, like coding job, which made paid the bills. I hated it. So I don't like to claim that shit. But the last job that I truly enjoyed, I ended up losing because of COVID. Um, and then after that, like, I was just like, you know, I really want to help people. And then I was thinking about ways I could help people. I really wanted to kind of like educate women on their bodies and teach them about endo and teach them about wellness and, you know, how to take care of yourself in terms like, you know, because a lot of the times we really forget to manage our stress and yeah. sleep and we, we kind of, you know, forget about the basics. We think it's like all about like working out and food and it's like, okay, but we got to like nail the basics first. Um, so I don't know. I just, I had, a, I was talking to a friend one day and I, you know, she, a girl that I work out with frequently and she was like, I was telling her how like I really wanted to help people. And she was like, why don't you become a, co- a coach? And I was like, what do you mean become a coach? And I was like, no, I could never be a coach. I was like, it would never work out for me. I was totally like in my head, imposter syndrome. And then I like followed this like business coaching academy on Instagram. And then they reached out to me and then I ended up joining and then the rest was history. I joined that program and then I got my current job and I've been, well, before my current job, I started coaching on my own. Um, but running a business with Endo was just a lot for me. So it was nice to be able to work for somebody else. Yeah, just to kind of like have a little bit of my time back because being an entrepreneur with a chronic illness, yeah, it was more than I can handle. It was keeping me in like the pain cycles that I couldn't get out of. And I was like, yes, it was a lot. So, but I, I am in a place now where I'm like, literally I get, I have, I work with so many women from so many different walks of life. I work with a good bit of women who have endometriosis, PCOS, other chronic illnesses, and just overall women who are looking to overall level up and become better versions of themselves mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, all the above, like, you know, fitness is more than just like macros and workouts. You know what I mean? Like, it's about like how you talk to yourself, how you treat your body, how well you take care of yourself. Like, I mean, I know people who work out and hit all their macros and calories every day or just eat enough food and they don't take care of themselves. They don't sleep. They don't manage stress. They're very type A perfectionists and they're just go, 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 go. And it's like, that's not sustainable. So that's why you got to take fitness and nutrition with a grain of salt. Yes. Nutrition is so important, but what about all the other stuff? You know, that's exactly how Betsy and I both feel like it's, it's much bigger. And especially for somebody with a chronic illness who wants to 
you know, move their body and do things to make them feel happier and healthier, it's really important to reshape your mindset when it comes to fitness, that it's not about fitting into the mold of what maybe these Instagram people want you to, or, you know, the people in the gym that are meatheads, I'm not going to fit your mold, but I do still deserve to have that relationship with fitness. Oh yeah. And I think like joining, like starting my fitness journey, especially with a chronic illness, I had to kind of like catch up to speed with that real quick. I had to really tell myself like, Hey, you cannot be comparing yourself to other people in this space. Like I can't tell you like, so all the coaches I work with, one of them has endo and like, it doesn't really stop her from getting her training in and that kind of thing. Like her endo is mm-hmm. a little bit better managed than mine. And I don't know, everybody else is just going on and training. And like, sometimes I get in my head, I'm like, damn, okay. Like, I wish I could train like that. But then, you know, I don't know. I'm like at a place now where it's like, I have endo and it's okay. If I'm not able to train five days a week, it's okay. If I can't be regularly deadlifting over 200 pounds, like I know like that I can do it. But you know, I also know that just because I can do something, doesn't mean that I should do it. Yeah, giving my body in a way that feels good for me. Yeah, giving myself grace, doing what feels good, and just staying in my lane. Yep. Play like my coach, like the registered dietitian I work with, because she's also a personal trainer. Like she's honestly the person who like literally woke me the hell up and was like, "Dude, what are you doing? What are you doing?" Because yeah. she's got PCOS too, and uh, so she's just chronically ill life. So she gets it, but she's like, what the hell are you doing? She's like, you can't live like this. She was like, you know, you cannot be training like the rest of our coaches. She's, she's one of my coworkers too. She was like, you've got to do better. She's like, she's like, it's okay to accept that we have limitations. She was like, it sucks. She was like, but do it, dude, do it for yourself. And it kind of gave me a little, I don't know. It just really helped. She definitely has helped me a lot. So if somebody listening to this pod was curious, like how does your coaching differ for somebody with a chronic illness? Or if you're just kind of overview, like your advice for somebody working off a chronic illness, what would you tell them? Give yourself grace. So with my girls who have a chronic illness, um, I very much so we really, really work on giving ourselves grace because so many of us, like we literally just talked about, we really struggle, right? You Mm -hmm. have a chronic illness, you get frustrated with your body and, you know, sometimes you kind of like almost self-sabotage. You're frustrated with your body and then you want to go work out harder and you want to go mm-hmm. do this to prove that you are capable even if your body's like trying to hold you back type of thing. So it's really that nice. body was my motto for years. And I was there. So a lot of what I do is like a lot of my endo girls are self-sabotagers and I can call it because I was there. So mm-hmm. I, you know, I really kind of work a lot with them and having them slow down. Like I had one girl who's like training six days a week and she's got like Crohn's and on immunosuppressants. And I'm like, girl, like your immune system is already low because you're taking these meds. And then you have two chronic illnesses on top of that. I was like, we got to slow down. And then like her yeah. life completely changed just by yeah, slowing down. Probably and, you know, attacking herself. Yeah. yeah. She had no idea. Her training was like literally making her sicker. She had no idea. Wow. No, no idea. So, you know, it's, it's just really kind of about like when my girls really just having them listen to their bodies and then just, you know, kind of reminding themselves to give themselves grace. Don't compare yourself. And then I really have them pay very good attention to the quality of the food that they're eating just because Mm -hmm. people like us, we are much more affected by our environment, (laughs) our food, our water than the average Joe. So we do need to be paying more attention. Not that we need to be like super obsessive with everything we're putting in our body, but we also do want to be kind of cautious to an extent if we want to, 
kind of reduce our pain and that kind of thing is a lot of the girls I do work with, they want to like reduce their pain and kind of also fit fitness into the mix and nutrition while trying to manage their food sensitivity. So a lot of it can be a lot, but a lot of it is just kind of taking the time to realize everyone's symptoms are different and everyone's yeah. doing different things. And just because one girl with endo is cutting out gluten and dairy doesn't mean that you're going to have to either type of thing. It's just, everyone's so different. So you just kind of have to go into coaching um, people with chronic illness, like with a very open mind. I love that so much. Cause I think we went from this area in the world where, or in our generation, you know, we didn't really know endo. We didn't talk about endo. There's a few resources, but it was an open community. Then we went to, Hey, there's a lot of us. Let's talk. But everybody was throwing out, you should be this type of diet. You should do this type of workout. You should do this. Yoga is a cure, mm. whatever, whatever, you know, and it was very almost culty feeling. Yes. The yoga is a cure. <laughs> we have strong feelings. We both love yoga. It's we do. Right. Not it's not a cure. cure. There's no cure, cure for endo. Me <laughs> no, right. So we're you. with you. <laughs> so it's just a breath of fresh air that like, there is better recognition these days of this is going to be very unique to you. You need to be independent and strong enough to say that does not serve me. I'm done. If it served you for the last two years and it doesn't serve you anymore, guess what? I'm done. I'm going to pivot. I'm going to elevate. I'm going to do what makes me feel good and don't sacrifice living life. So if you make a choice because it makes you happy and you may feel bad for a day, a week or whatever, you still get the right to make that choice. It's all about you. Exactly. Exactly. And we're allowed to friggin' live. Like people will be like, we'll make comments like, why are you eating that? You know, it's going to make you sick. Um, okay. You try to do it for the rest of your life. Okay. And then get back to me. Goodbye. Yeah. I'm sorry. There's no world that will exist that I'll never have a piece of pizza and I'll never have a donut. I will suffer for both of those. Not every day, not every month, but you're a girl who needs some pizza. I had pizza last week and it made me feel like absolute trash. And yeah, I was always so eating it So gluten free when you're eating it. Oh God. Yeah, that's true. I was, it was a gluten free crust, but it was the dairy and the cheese. I was just like, oh, oh, made me so mad. Girl, I'll eat pizza knowing I'm going to get sick. And I'm like, it's so worth it. No it regrets. Sick. No regrets. <laughs> <laughs> and then two hours later, I'm like, so many regrets. <laughs> but I keep doing it. Well, that's awesome. I really do appreciate your mindset on it. It's, it's what drew me to your content was that not only you were accurate about endo, you're accurate and open about your journey, but you were also very not judgmental and just willing to help. And I've even done some of the posts of your workouts because if my hips and my back will allow it, like those are really good workouts. And it's just nice that. to have somebody be aware, but also just be like, hey, I'm just here to help. Appreciate that, girl. I'm always here. My DMs are always open. I always try to like make sure the endo girls that I connect with, like I want them to know my DMs are always open. Like we have to stick together out here. We really do. All right. Um, the online community, like honestly, I don't know very many people that have endo where I live. So the online 100%. community is literally all that I do have. Yeah. So. Y'all are all I God, do I love know. y'all. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and I also feel like <laughs> the people I do know with endo are just at a very different part of their journey too. Like they're yes. older than me. So they oh, have these like, I'm not going to argue with you what you believe about your body because it's your body, but I also don't want to sit here and defend my approach to it. So it's really nice to connect with people. It's the whole reason Betsy and I decided to have a podcast was 
to talk about endo and adeno and talk about our infertility and just be a little open with it because that's how we have grown and be found a little bit happy, more happiness in life. For sure. I love that. I love it. B, do you have any more questions about working out or things? Um, I was going to ask you, Rita. Yes. So I have seen on your Instagram that you, in your coaching program, you teach macro counting. Is that correct? Yes. So I have had my own history with macro counting. Whole another thing. What would your, like, how would you encourage someone who has had some like past disordered behaviors getting into like macro counting? I would say take the time to go to therapy and work on the disordered eating, like what led you to that. Um, I worked with a lot of women who do have eating disorders and that did. And a lot of, you know, they got to a place where they were able to track macros and it was like liberating for them. Like it's so different for everybody. Like some Mm -hmm. people feel so restricted by macros and like it like triggers stuff for them. For some people it's very helpful. Um, I have some clients that don't um, and um, because they won't work on their relationship with food, which is fine. I'm just like, you know what? I'm not going to make you do it. If you don't want to do it, that's okay. But you know, it is what it is. So I always just, you know, recommend you taking the time to work on your relationship with food if that requires going to therapy do that take the time to eat take the time to really just realize um that you want to just make sure you're eating enough food throughout the day eat consistently and that kind of thing you don't have to track macros to be healthy you don't have to track macros to get enough food in throughout the day like for me last year like when I was going through my like really intense elimination diet, when I was going through my gut healing journey, like I like my relationship with food was so fragile. Like I was crying about food every day. Like there's no way in a million years I could have tracked macros during that time. But just by working with my therapist on my relationship with food um, and really taking the time to kind of like dive into like my mindset around eating, just really taking the time to um, change my mindset around how I viewed food and, that kind of thing really did help me get back into a place where I was able to do that. So definitely, I'm sorry, I'm rambling, but definitely start um, with repairing that relationship with food first. And then, you know, work with a coach, like work with somebody who's going to kind of like monitor, you know, you, your macro tracking and that kind of thing. Because sometimes if you're kind of just like doing it on your own and you have a negative feeling or, oh my God, okay, like Mm -hmm. I'm really struggling today. Okay. I need to drop my macros, whatever. You don't really, it's just, it's very different when you have somebody guiding you and somebody who's making modifications to kind of help meet you where you're at versus just the like, just like those expectations you're putting on yourself. Like I can't tell you how many times girls will just download my fitness pal and then put in their statistics and it gives them these terrible God awful macros that are like so low and then girls are like oh my god I'm hungry and I'm like no don't do this why you like work with a coach if you're able to um or at least like talk to somebody who has a little more education around nutrition and somebody that can kind of hold you accountable okay (laughs) and if you and if you're a woman with endo and you're doing that girl you are on the fast track to like hurting yourself do not yeah let's get a flat up going let's just add that's add fuel fire you know what I hear though We've talked so much about giving yourself grace in the gym, but that's literally what you're saying here too. Like you have to give yourself the grace to understand your relationship with food, to work on your relationship with food, to make sure that if it's triggering or you're having a hard time, you can step away from it and not hyper-focus on it and 
make sure you have somebody that's going to educate you along the way. So you're not using it as a tool to hurt yourself. Um, it's terrifying. I'm, I'm, I've, I've been talking to Rita cause I want to address my relationship with food and not by like ignoring it and do the bare minimum, like actually address it. It's terrifying. Um, even after we talked last week, I had a whole spiral where I was like, I don't know if I can do this. Cause like, I don't know if I want to like try to do the food thing again. And they're like, what do you mean eating? Like you, you, you have to eat daily. Like, why is that so scary? And I was like, well, that's, that's pretty blunt. You're right. <laughs> like, it's the, the right, there's fear. The fear of obsession, I think is yeah. because yeah. I've been there. I yeah. thankfully am, have addressed my issue, my own issues with food. But yeah. I mean, like something like that, like jumping back into macro counting does make me feel like, feel like I would like regress, like into some yeah. Yeah. obsessive territory. And so I fully get what you're saying. hundred percent. Especially when you do have a chronic illness with food sensitivities, that totally does like make the relationship with food shit worse just because yeah. like there's pain on the other side of some of the food we're eating. So yeah, like I know like Betsy, like you say you have worked on your relationship with food, but when we have food sensitivities, like we eat something, we know like, oh fuck, here we go. Yeah, I know yeah. I'm going to be in the next three days. So we still have that like physiological and psychological like sure. response to us eating mm-hmm. those foods that we know is, are going to cause us pain. So it's 100%. like, even if like, you know, we really, we have got to a place where we don't really struggle with disordered eating because we have those food issues and we have had reactions. Like, like, I know this is something that my, the um, registered dietitian I'm working with has told me about. She was like recommended some kind of, there's like some kind of therapy that people can do for people who've had like a lot of food sensitivities where they basically go in and help you like reset your like vagus nerve. It's supposed to kind of just like help how you like think and like around food and that kind of thing, especially for people wow. who've had a lot of food issues like us. I can't remember what the term is. I wish I could, so I could have you guys link it. Um, but yeah, definitely. Send anyways, it it's really cool stuff. Um, so yeah, it's, it's having a chronic illness totally puts a big damper and having a tough, um, relationship with food like I told my coach today I was like if I like get to a place where I get wonky with macros will you please like tell me to stop like mm-hmm. just because I know like while I know my place um with re- like my relationship with food's in a good place right now I don't know if I you know I'm I don't want to say I may relapse but I sure. may you know what I mean I've yeah, never well, ever been yeah. in a place where I continuously tracked before but I know that with my elimination diet with all like me having to cut out foods for the last couple of years, my relationship with food has kind of struggled as a result of that. So mm-hmm. also, I do have her like watching me. Yeah. <laughs> me saying like, I've worked on my relationship with food does not oh, mean yeah. that I feel like it's great. Like I right. am well, oh, yeah. aware that it's something that I will continue, continue to be working on probably I forever. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's especially as long as we have these digestive issues and reactions yeah. to food, it's hard not to. A hundred percent. I appreciate the candidness. And I, I actually, for some reason, I like the fact that you actively work on yourself as like a kind of token of, Hey, you're willing to work with somebody else and you're kind of willing to teach them the way that we can give people. I, I know it's so helpful. I feel at times like I'm just so lost. It's maybe not as much today as I'm starting to, that healing part of my journey, but oh, flashback a year and a half ago, I was like, I don't know what's wrong with me. I don't know how to heal my body. I don't know how to get back in the gym. I don't know what to eat. I'm trying to follow these diets. I'm trying to take everything out. It's just stressful. And I don't want to do it because I'm sad. I have PMDD. I hurt and I just don't want to, you know, it takes so so much to get there. That's so many things. Like 
if you're working on your diet, if you're working on your body, if yeah. you're working on your physical pain, like that's so it's many so things much. to try and take on at one time. And by the way, there's no doctor, there's no dietitian, there's no fitness coach, there's no one I can find that just says, hey, let's start here. Let's do this together. And I think it's amazing that you do that. Tell me something that you're excited about in your life coming up that either it can, it can work in if you're coaching and you're endo, but just what are you looking forward in the next couple of years as Rita? Oh, well, getting married to my fiance at some yes. point. Don't know when we're probably Ooh. just going to do a courthouse thing, which is totally right up my alley. I'm okay with it. <laughs> um, and then I know we're going to Washington later this year, like Seattle. And Ooh, awesome. Seattle's my favorite. I've never been. I'm really excited to go out west. I really appreciate this. I think, you know, getting to know you, getting to know your purpose, just giving another avenue. When Rita and I were talking, Betsy, I said, you know, my dream is just to have a group of people or resources more for our current age and our resources, not not a list on Facebook, but more of like a community. Hey, I want to know somebody who can help me with my workouts. I'm really passionate about workouts, but now I feel like I struggle because of my chronic illness. Hey, I am kidless or kid free and I want to do this thing and I want to make connections and I just don't know where to start or I don't know where the resources are. I don't know the terminology. I just know what I want. Like, right. I feel like us connecting is giving such a platform and someday I hope it's even easier to just have an acceptance, have a community. Um, that's why I'm really excited to do things and meet people and just keep growing this. So I really appreciate the fact that you'll come on here and be candid with us and, you know, answer some questions and give us some advice and just give hope I guess is probably the biggest thing that things can be different and there's avenues and people are doing it and reach out if you have questions because we're here to help yep I agree I think it's been really cool to hear your perspective Rita so we appreciate you thank you guys for having me of course before we let you go why don't you plug yourself plug your coaching plug anything you're passionate about we will leak out to your IG page but we also want to make sure people know like what you got going on so you guys can follow me on IG at Rita, R-I-T-A-E underscore fit. A lot of people think my name is Rita and I'm like, no, it's Rita <laughs> E. E is my last name for Alcabaz, but that's really, really long to put in my little bio on IG there. Um, I work for this bomb ass company called DLD Nation. We have yes, a physician do. assistant on staff. We have six, six or seven registered dietitians. We have a GI map specialist and an advanced um uh advanced testing specialist on staff she does dutch testing which is basically super in-depth hormone testing so we have quite a plethora of resources on the team especially for people who do have chronic illnesses that they're wanting to get further testing i know not all of us have access to functional medicine providers mm-hmm. where we live um a lot of people struggle with getting the help that they need in western medicine but with by, you know by working with our advanced testing specialist gianna You can totally get a Dutch test or even a GI map, which can look at your gut and kind of help you figure out what you've got going on. The gut can be a very big driver for endometriosis. So Mm -hmm. definitely look up DLD Nation and find me on IG. But I think that's it. Mm -hmm. I appreciate you. Way to be such an awesome human. We are so glad we connected with you. You're way too cool. Yep. Thanks, Thanks guys. So are you. (laughs) Thank you guys for being you. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> no, I appreciate you, Rita. I know Betsy does. If there's any questions, we're going to throw them your way from the podcast. Um, we will make sure there's also a box. If you guys are a Spotify listener, that will allow you to ask her questions directly that I'll, I'll throw her away. But 
we appreciate it. If there's anything we can do, if there's ever messaging you want to push out, just let us know. We're here to support you along your journey professionally and personally as well. Thank you guys so much. Thank it's been you. an absolute pleasure. We are so appreciative of Rita being here with us today. Like Kaylee said, if you have any questions, we will absolutely make to make sure to send them her way. As always, this has been the greatest episode of the Nacho Mama Pod. Thank Bye. you.